Tonight's topic is really wise speech, um, which we're going to spend a couple of months working with. And Eightfold Path in the context of wise, really around wise action in terms of climate change and the earth, how it impacts the way we work in this world and are in this world. But we also just decided on a, on a wing and a whim and out of necessity to, you know, really maybe bring in the current situation around the COVID virus, which isn't unrelated at all. So, but we're going to start just with a, a good little sit of about five minutes or so. And then we're going to do a longer sit a bit later. So, yeah, so just settling in and arriving.
So seven eight couldn't make it tonight, um, but I think two of the points that she really wanted to make around why speech is we realized that this is such a rich topic because there's just so much that goes into what why speech and that we can't we didn't think we could cover it do its justice in one session. So we thought this session will focus on the who and the what and then the next sessions we'll go into kind of how and when. The more kind of actual talking about it. But this today we're just gonna tell the framework, kind of going from the first two sessions of this year, the wise view, wise intention, now wise speech. I think the who is really important. So she mentioned that who are we having these conversations with around climate change? And who are we not having these conversations with? Who do we choose to have conversation with? Who do we want to engage? Is it always people who agree with us? Is it people who don't agree with us? And then who get to set the agenda of the climate conversations. Right now, the agenda tend to set by scientists and set, tend to kind of dominate by the science uh, research on, or predictions on what will happen when it's one and a half degrees, two degrees, and so forth. And then it becomes scenarios under these. So it's a very science-centric view, which is really important very necessary, but nonetheless, it's one point of view. There is other point of view in the world. And so then it, it gets into power dynamics of who gets to set the theme of that conversation. So we also talk about that there's a circle of influence. And a lot of times our views are informed by who's in the circle and who's in the center of the circle. And a lot of times we're the people in the periphery does not get to influence the conversation and their perspective are not being incorporated. So for example, the native indigenous people's view, you know, the sense of sacredness, right? Some people believe that what's happening right now is because we destroyed our sacred relationship with certain sacred energies. So for example, if I use my background from Chinese that a lot of times in Chinese traditions, there are certain sacred mountains or sacred rivers that you just don't touch. And it, the, when you preserve that particular area, you preserve the land in a large land around that area. So the whole region is protected by a source of a river or a source of a mountain. And you just don't, you just don't do anything with it. Like you just keep it really pristine. And that notion in the modern world is not really being acknowledged or resonating. So if you think about fracking, that we open up mountains like everywhere, what does that do to the energy of the entire system, entire mountainous regions and so forth? So probably not even in the periphery of like people's consciousness when they make decisions of where to frack, which mountain to frack and so forth. So there are just different viewpoints that we need to, as we are, when we think about the what speak in the speech, kind of self-examines, like, where did our viewpoint come from? Understanding that, where are we in that circle? It's not to say those are not valid, not to say which one's more valid than the other, but knowing that, it's just knowing where we are in relationship to these viewpoints and to be aware that, 
whatever we hold to be true, as we're going to talk about next time, the criteria for why speech, what's true, what's correct, what's helpful. But what we think is true may not be true, and what we think is correct may not be correct, and what we think is beneficial may not be beneficial. And so it's not to say that it's just how do you hold what we think of it as true, correct, and beneficial? Kind of what quality are we holding them so that when we do engage in speech that we are aware of what we're speaking? That's kind of one way to think about it. And that, to me, it, the coronavirus conversation is interesting, even though it's not directly related to climate, but I think it's the same dynamic. When the virus first was kind of found in China and spreading, there was a lot of press around it that it's, you know, around the come from the Hunan, um, the, the Wuhan food market where there's bats and, you know, a lot of animals. And so there's a lot of exoticism in the language, kind of talking about how exotic the market is. And, and what a Columbia Journalism Review actually published an article and the professor who compared the press that was also right before the 1886 Chinese Exclusion Act is very similar because at the time they thought there was the rats that are split, spreading the bubonic, bubonic plague. And so this sense of like this culture is exotic and uncleansed and unsanitized. And America is a more evolved, sanitized, and culture is like an invocation. It's very unconscious and it's very, it's been there for 200 years. So, um, where versus the, versus the, uh, you know, there are many aspects of the story. Once it's really spreading, the real, a lot of the real reason it spread was because the lack of access to information in the early stage where people didn't realize it's happening. And it didn't realize it's happening so fast and so easily. And it's Chinese New Year. So 5 million people, before they locked down the city, 5 million people left the city already because they didn't know. And so, um, so that's one aspect of the story that doesn't talk about. Um, there's another story, aspect of the story is all these workers from hospital and healthcare worker from China were coming kind of flooding the city to help out with very high degree of professionalism and activism that are really actively working ground and that does not get covered at all. So the professional, modern, scientific, really kind of really advanced of disease control actually is not being covered at all. What's being covered is the unsanitized market. So it's interesting in terms of just even the bias of what we are seeing, and it's just another aspect of othering that's very easy in times of fear, in times of anxiety, and that's going to apply to anything that come up with climate in the future. This is not going to be the last virus that's going to be spreading. It's not going to be the last calamity that's going to be spreading. And I think how we hold those views that are coming up. And, and kind of really be examining what are the underlying biases and consciousness that's taking that in is helpful as we explore all these things that are going to come up. And, and as we could see now, when it's spreading to all different countries, it really didn't matter. Right? The other thing that uh, we want to talk about is really that I always found that with climate change, 
the practice to relate to climate change is actually exactly the same as your personal practice of any personal crisis or any personal situation. It's how to, you know, what John just mentioned, how do you calm your nervous system down? How do you build resilience in uncertainties? How do you face unknown moment by moment? How do you have internal clarity and sentiness and peace regardless what the external circumstance is? So I think that whatever is happening right now, whether it's with coronavirus or with climate change or about personal, it's the same practice. It's all the same practice. So for me, when the anxiety of everybody is around is high, how do you have self-care? What grounds you? A couple of people mentioned that coming back to the body is really helpful. So maybe this is the time to do more yoga. This is more of the time to do more body center work to really help calm the nervous system down. And then recognizing that um, what's our tendency when we're related to uncertainty and fear and anxiety? You know, are we projecting and catastrophizing? catastrophizing? How far do we go? Like, is it month, a year? Thinking this is going into depression like 1930s? How do we really build a sense of coming back to the present moment when we get pulled by the press? And kind of like what we talk about in the first month when we talk about why view taking in news kind of really judiciously. If you just get the news of the day, do you need to keep checking it to see how it evolves? But at the same time, being moderate and practical, right? Obviously, there's practical things that we need to be aware of. If the subway system is shutting down, we need to know about that. So I think it's practicing being very moderate and kind of the middle way of being practical, open, digesting the information at the same time, not get pulled and overreacting to every single source of news that's coming our way as collectively we're kind of enveloped in the this kind of fear and anxiety. And to me, the value of a practitioner, meditation practitioner at this time is to be that grounding for others who may not have this practice. You could be the one who help your community, your neighbors, your family to stay centered, to help them process the information so that they act wisely. So I think that this is our resilience. So our resilience become the community's resilience. So it's very important, I think, for me that we continue to really practice at this time and practice more deeply. And the last thing is to recognize the, the characteristic of life. That it's impermanent. This shall pass too, right? With, whether it's a month, two months, June, July, at some point this will pass. And so knowing that it's not permanent help us to kind of realize that if you need to work from home or you have couldn't go out or whatever, think of it, you got a retreat. Now you're in self-retreat. How do you treat this time? You can't go anywhere. And I think of all people, we would know how to be on retreats and not go anywhere and not do anything and couldn't say anything. So I think that's Take this time as a precious time of practice if you can, you know, like if you don't have kids at home. Then. So that's what I kind of think about it. And I think this is important because, as we know, as climate change and the impact increase, more and more uncertainties and things will more likely to happen. 
So what we're developing is resilience. So what's arising uh, for me, just partly in response to what Lynn was saying, but what's been arising, the, the remarkable interconnection between all of these things. This particular COVID virus is not arising in isolation at all. It's very much uh, related to uh, warming temperatures. It's related to the reduced space that the animals have to, to, for their own habitat. And as a result, they're coming into much closer contact with humans. And so the, the um, various viruses and infections that they carry are now more easily transmitted to us. And what I find really interesting in terms of wise speech um, is, and this is, you know, at least in this country, how, you know, we tend to speak to our own echo chambers. Who are we speaking to? We often speak to the to the chambers that echo back what we want to hear. Um, and, uh, and so we're not necessarily hearing everything that we need to hear. Um, and the people that we really need to be speaking to, you know, are not necessarily the people we're speaking to. Um, and whether that's just because we have a fear of speaking to others or we just don't have the opportunities to speak to others. That's just something that we need to look at <clears throat> and, you know, really investigate. Um, there's no right or wrong here. It's just, well, what's happening? <clears throat> and, um, and then, of course, there's all the false speech that we do here, uh, which is what creates the panic that, you know, a lot of people uh, have, have fallen into. Um, or how people tend to ignore uh, instructions, that people tend to ignore advice that is really easy to follow through on. So, you know, I was just, um, as I was coming down on the subway tonight, which in itself, I was noticing, you know, how my own relationship to people on the subway had suddenly changed and I was much more vigilant, you know, and, it, and I'm not generally that vigilant unless I'm riding my motorcycle. And it was just like, you know, I, I was watching what people were doing, whether they were coughing, where they were putting their hands. And, you know, did I want to put my hands where they were putting their hands? Did I want to put my hand? And, um, and so the internal voice, which has a lot to do with wise speech, was just incredibly loud. Um, and it was, a, it was a really unusual experience for me. Um, and so, you know, how do we work with that? How do we hold that? And, um, you know, this is just something we need to really play with. And if we, if we really, you know, look at this particular, um, the explosion of this virus, if it's really even that much of an explosion, which is also something we don't know, you know, we can't separate it from anything else. And we can't see this in isolation. We have to see it in, in, you know, relationship to everything else. And if we only see it in isolation, then we're not learning anything. Um, and, you know, so if we see it in relationship to everything else, how does that, 
impact the way we speak to ourselves internally? How does that change um, our own moment-to-moment experience? And how, and, and this was sort of one of the reasons why I think that um, noting out loud can be helpful because it's like, oh, well, you know, what is arising for me in this moment when this thought arises about this virus and its relationship to something else? How do I work with that and how do I, um, what is the self-talk and, and what's the attitude of that self-talk? Um, so, this is a kind of never-ending process. Um, and as we are sort of bombarded with, with, you know, mixed facts about the virus, we are also bombarded with mixed facts about climate change. And, you know, how do we take that in? And then how do we communicate it back out? How do we communicate it to ourselves internally? Um, who are we taking it from? Who are we putting it, uh, you know, who are we recommunicating to? Um, what are we holding on to? And what are we letting go of in this whole process? Um, and I always find that for me, um, when it comes to wise speech, which is completely uh, intertwined, of course, with wise thought, is uh, I find very useful the Sufi practice of these three gates of the first gate being, is it true? The second gate being, is it necessary? Is this thought necessary? Is this thought helpful? And the last gate being, you know, is it authentic? Is it really me? Is it really, or is it, is it really coming from the heart? Um, and so, you know, when it, it comes to everything that we take in and all the information that we take in, how does that information get processed internally? What are we saying to ourselves? What are the thoughts that are arising? And then what's coming out of that in terms of our own actions? Um, so this is where our practice is, is so helpful because we, I mean, it just in, in terms of my own personal situation, and I happen to live with somebody who's very, um, Vigilant in terms of, okay, she's a germaphobe, and you know, let's. I'll, I'll just. She wouldn't mind me saying that. Um, and so, you know, I'm being constantly, you know, spoken to like, watch this, watch this. Did you wash your hands? You know, you, you touch this. Now it's time to like wash your hands before you touch that. You know, and it's it's like okay, you know. So I'm taking all of this in, and I'm I'm having an internal reaction, and I could you know. At, in, in, you know, had the virus not been around, I would have reacted in, in a very verbal way back. But now that I realize what's coming out from her is authentic, it's true. And, you know, it makes me listen in a particular way and actually respond in a completely different way than I would otherwise. Um, so these are interesting times, you know. And uh, as we're turning toward this particular manifestation of climate change, if we consider the COVID by 
virus that, and I think it's not unreasonable to, to consider that, you know, how does it impact our internal dialogue and how does it impact the dialogue we have with others? I just realized I forgot to make one more point about agency. I mean, in any kind of situation, if we fall into a sense of victimhood, it's very easy to have like a trauma response when you feel like you couldn't do anything. Um, so it's very important to create a sense of agency and empowerment in your own way. Um, so we're seeking alternative information. So Sabine also mentioned like this alternative way to build up your own immune system. Um, everywhere is running out sand sanitizer, like I guess four days ago. So you could make your homemade sanitizer. I looked it up. You could have 75% um, of um, rubbing alcohol. And then just the rest is um, aloe, aloe vera. And then 10 drops of tea tree oil. That's, that's basically exactly the same ingredients as any hand sanitizer. So I think those are still available. So... <laughs> But that just kind of sources like that to feel like, you know, if yeah. what could you create a sense of agency and empowerment in your own way? That's not the more you could feel that, the less you feel that sense of victimhood and less that your nervous system get absorbed into it and with like a trauma like response where you get frozen. So the more you could feel you can move and be active in your own way of dealing with it, the more your life energy is going to come through really taking in that we are fortunate enough to have been born into this human realm opens up the opportunity for awakening for ourselves and for all beings. So then the merit that we gain from our practice this evening and our practice throughout the weeks, months, years, and lifetimes May that merit be shared for the well-being of all without exception. May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering, free from fear and the causes of fear. May all beings be free and may all beings find peace. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.